Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Hour number two of Oilers Now. It's 106 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now. In this hour, at 135, uh, Ian Herbers, former Edmonton Oilers player, current head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears as we continue in our coaching week. Uh, Monday, we had Jay Woodcroft on. Tuesday, Brad Lauer, who probably right now is the certainly over the last couple of years uh, has gotten a lot out of the Edmonton Oil Kings and there will be a prohibitive favorite this year in the uh, WHL's Eastern Conference. Yesterday, Penn State head coach Guy Gadowski, Ian Herbers from the University of Alberta today, Jim Playfair will join us on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. And in 39 seconds time, our NHL insider John Shannon will join us. Here's how you can reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it. And you can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted at Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street and 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. We'll tell you that this show is brought to you and has been for the last seven seasons by Digitex. Hugh Porter and the staff at Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. So we had Cam Moon on. And we got into a conversation a bit about, you know, Cam's 20 years in Red Deer and some of the toughest guys. Talked a bit about Stephen Pete and Jim Vandermeer. And that has led to a swath of uh, texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Guys are saying, what about Brian Kern? What about John Cordick, Todd Ewan, uh, Tim Hunter? Going back in the day, J.P. Kelly. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. And we are going to bring in, at this time... Our NHL insider for legacy heating and cooling pay no overtime rates on the 24-7 service repairs. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. John Shannon. John, how you doing? Great, Bob. You? Good. Not that you're an officiato of the sweet science, uh, at least the stuff that happened on the ice, but when you were in the television production game, how often back in the sort of, you know, from the late 70s, certainly well into the mid-90s, even into the late 90s, were you focused on knowing when those tough guys were on the ice and there was going to be an inevitable clash of the proverbial titans? Uh, you know, that's that's an interesting story. I think when you, when you looked at the Battle of Alberta, and when you had Semenko and Hunter uh, on the ice uh, for that short period of time, Nikki Fatiu in Calgary against the Oilers, um, you, you had to be aware of it. You had to make sure that you understood what, what it was going to happen. The one thing I would say is in, in that period of time, um, you could feel it coming. Uh, it wasn't orchestrated. It wasn't a preset, I, you know, we have to fight tonight, buddy. Uh, but you could feel the emotions building and burning, um, and and uh, and that's the part that you actually really had to figure out uh, when and when and how it would occur. Um, obviously, the, in, in the Battle of Alberta, it was pretty easy to figure out when it would occur and who it, who it would be. 
but there were times that you knew they were smart enough not to take penalties. And, and so that was the hard part. By the way, if you're talking about junior hockey players, uh, I, I grew up in the uh, in the in, in British Columbia in the vintage toughest hockey team period. Um, oh, it was the New Westminster Bruins under Ernie McLean. Yep. Uh, and I'm not sure they had three guys. They might have had eight. <laughs> they might have had eight or nine guys uh, that could drop the gloves and were, in my mind, in my mind, the most intimidating, toughest junior hockey team of all time and went to the Memorial Cup four years in a row. Well, I mentioned J.P. Kelly, uh, who was there. Um, yeah, uh, but Mark- you looked at Harold, Harold Philippoff, yeah. uh, Mark Lofthouse, Brad Maxwell. The, you know, they all could do it. Boris Fistrick they, they, and Mark's dad, who has uh, since passed away. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there was, there, was a, there was a bunch of guys on that team um, that the, wow, they were as they were as tough as you could find as a group. Um, you know, the the other guy, the other guys that were really tough were you know, when Brian Murray was the coach of the Regina Pats for that short period of time. Yeah, uh, that was a tough hockey team too, and that was Garth Butcher uh, and, and a few of those guys. It was that, that was when you know the the Western Hockey League was at its ultimate as far as physical play. Well, Johnny Chapman had some tough teams uh, in Lethbridge. He brought a lot of the Red Deer guys in. <laughs> in, in and, uh, <laughs> I think he'd still be prepared to throw it out if he could. Oh, I love John Chapman, i got to tell you. Uh, I've known John a long time uh, as a coach and, and certainly in the last couple of decades as a scout. And, yeah. Uh, you're, I think you really appreciate the dedication of a guy like John Chapman to the game. And every, every time I, we have mutual friends, every time we talk and John's name comes up, uh, it puts a smile on my face. Uh, Harold Filipoff, what I remember about him is he broke in with Atlanta, right? And he ended up fighting uh, like Terry O'Reilly when O'Reilly was probably top five in the league at that point. And Atlanta yeah. went through a period where Fr- the, uh, Freddie Shiro had left the Flyers, and they they had guys like Kurt Bennett that were tough. Like they built a pretty tough team themselves. Well, Cliff uh, Cliff Cliff loved Cliff Fletcher loved tough teams. Uh, that way, Cliff felt that that was a an element that he needed to have for his hockey teams. Remember, I mean, Cliff was the guy that brought Randy Holt to Calgary yeah. uh, in order to try to solve the problems in. Uh, uh, w- with Edmonton, that the, the Flames were getting pushed around far too many times, uh, and, and don't forget, maybe the toughest of all, the toughest uh, uh, New Westminster Bruin of all time was one that wasn't really, didn't really need to be tough, and that was Barry Beck. Well, uh, I mean, he, he was, was he was spectacularly tough, and he was a strong man too. Like, yep, absolutely. An obs- and now, so so this brings us to something because Beck was the captain of the New York Rangers. You know, he was a, probably a 30-minute-a-game defenseman. He could absolutely hammer the puck. Like, he could really shoot the yeah. pill. They needed him playing. You know, I grew I Larry Robinson, for me, in Montreal, Larry didn't come in the most offensively gifted guy, but he grew his game and, of course, beat up David Dave Schultz. I hate, like, John, I'll be the first to admit, I, I didn't like the Flyers as a kid. And so I, I thought they were bullies. Like, they didn't square up and fight one-on-one. Moose DuPont was always jumping guys every time one of their guys was in trouble. And I loved Larry Robinson beating up uh, Dave Schultz. It's, it's, it's on video. But the thing about guys like Barry Beck and, and Larry Robinson is they had to stay on the ice. And now I'm going to transition into the here and now for the Edmonton Oilers. They have Darnell Nurse. 
and Darnell Nurse is going to play 25 minutes a game, and he has to pick his spots. Can, like, can he be taking fights with Milan Lucic anymore, John? I think what you said there, Bob, is the most uh, appropriate thing, and I think it'll be a great conversation you can have with Jim Playfair tomorrow um, uh, about uh, having, uh, making sure that Darnell picks his spots. That, that to me is that to me is a, a, a key to a, the maturation of one of the bright young defensemen in the National Hockey League. Is you know we know Darnell's tough. We know he can uh, you know lift. We can we know he's uh, a, a physical monster. But you know what? His value is not in the penalty box. His value is on the ice uh, in in key situations in both zones. Um, and learning how to take that fight, when to take the fight, if indeed you have to take the fight anymore, uh, and that's another that's another conversation for another day. Um, that I I think that uh, that Darnell's going to have to watch himself a lot, uh, and 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 not be goaded into certain situations uh, when teams can sacrifice their tough guys for Darnell Nurse being in the penalty box. This text comes in, John, on the Ashley Fine Floors text line and says, toughest to come out of the dub was Clark Gillies. He and Tiger Williams fought three times in one game in the early 1970s. Three overwhelming decisions for Gillies. The only couple of guys I recall, uh, there was a guy named Bob Paradise, an American guy. Oh, sure. That yep. played, played yep. for Pittsburgh, and he did very well against Clark Gillies one time. And then Ben Wilson. And when you talk to, wow. you know, Ken, Kevin Lowe and, and the others, of, they had a healthy amount of respect for Ben Wilson. And, and I'm not talking the late 80s Ben Wilson. I'm talking the, like, you know, Paul Baxter sucker punched him once with the left hand. Should have been the end of it. And Wilson was able to shake it off, get back up to one knee, regain his faculties, and lay a beat down on Paul Baxter, who was a little bit cheap sometimes the way he fought. But uh, Ben Ben Wilson was. Do you disagree on Paul Baxter or? or uh, oh. No, Paul Baxter. I, I, Paul Baxter ends up being one of my favorite people in the in the NHL because what you saw on the ice and what you what you heard on the bench was nothing like Paul Baxter right. the person. And, um, and and Paul was one of those guys that Paul would actually uh, in certain arenas when the TV mobile was close to the dressing rooms. Uh, Paul would be out. The, he's one of those last, one of the last bastions that he'd be out in the uh, in the hallway smoking between periods. Um, having to have a dart, and he was and, under, uh, undersized, but he had a good left uh, hand. Well, but but having the left hand, you know, and I again, I hate talking about fights, but having the left hand uh, was such a strength of his, and he was really smart. Yeah, he he could goad anybody into anything with his tongue, with a jab. He was one of the great disturbers uh, of all time. Uh, and this was a guy. He was such. He was so smart. He was a much better hockey player, I think, than people realized. But there was a point where, before all of his knee injuries, that he, he was. He had some offensive skill too, sure. Bob, in junior hockey. Um, and just uh, by the time he got to the pros, and by the time he got to Alberta, uh, his. Uh, 
his ability to move the puck and skate the puck, his, his body was, was starting already to break down at that point. So fighting and jabbing and, 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 and pot stirring were his forte. Uh, we're joined by John Shannon, who hates talking about fighting, but I, I kind of like it. Uh, no, I know you do. You know what, John? There's there's like, there's like very little going on. The fans don't – we had a bit of a conversation, you know uh, – some of the big NBA insiders yesterday mentioning that the word is that there's going to be NBA markets where if you're not vaccinated as a player, you're not going to be allowed to go into their building. And, you know, we talked a bit about that in the first 20 minutes of the show, and you have the, a segment of the the listenership that's like, I don't want to hear anything anymore about COVID-19. But the reality is we're all kind of in a holding pattern right now because of this fourth wave and the Delta variant. Um have you, have you been either to gather like how closely do you think the league's monitoring maybe what how the NBA is going to handle the situation? Is it true that if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to be allowed into certain buildings? Uh, case in point, in the state of New York and and California's uh, Golden State was one of the teams that were mentioned yesterday. Where if you're you're not vaccinated, you're not getting into a building where they play. Is this a, a possibility in the NHL as well? Well, let me ask you this. I mean. Um you know, in the province of Quebec uh, and in Ontario now, you're, you 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 need to have proof of vaccination to go to a, an indoor event like a hockey game or a yeah. basketball game. Yeah. But does that not pertain to the players too? Well, I mean, we've we've had texts today saying, you know, come on, like it it. it if it's going to be that way for the fans, shouldn't it be that way for the players? Well, it, uh, I think it should be, but I you know, but I you know, without. Without uh, ticking off a you know a portion of the audience, I I believe in vaccination. Right. Uh, I I believe in mandatory vaccination for anybody that's in the public. You know, and 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 to go out and use public facilities. So, uh, but that's that's an interesting one, and I think that that's one of the reasons why we haven't heard uh, to this point uh, an Olympic decision. We are going to hear about it, and I think that's one of the reasons we haven't heard or seen the actual protocols. Uh, agreed to between the players' association and the league uh, about uh, about vaccinations and about uh, about COVID protocols for the upcoming season. So there there are still a few variables. The, to answer your original question, are they monitoring it? They're monitoring everything. The, that I'm sure that that's the the first Zoom call of the morning. What's the latest between what the MLS does, what the NBA does, what the NFL does, what we're going to do, and what what is the CDC saying, what is Health Canada saying. Uh, I, th- th- I guarantee you that is still the first hour and a half of Gary Bettman and Bill Daly's day. Uh, well, John, I mean, it's it's interesting because I know you and me have spoken privately about watching, uh, you know, the Premier League over the last couple of weeks and full crowds now. That's outside. Um, we've got uh, we've got Alabama. Uh, they're going to be taking on Miami to in the kickoff classic. That's a, a game in an indoor football stadium in the mm-hmm. state of uh, Georgia. Uh, it's right. going to take place. You've got like three or four huge games. You got Georgia, by the way, playing Clemson. Those are probably two of the foremost talented teams on paper in the country. Like this is a massive week for NCAA. And then next week we have NFL. Are we going to have some buildings half full? Are we going to have buildings completely full? Can you compare Canada to the United States uh, because there's different jurisdictional rules? Well, and that, that's one of the challenges, certainly for the NHL between the two countries, and it's it's quite amazing. Well, and let's face it, that's why 
That's why the bubbles were in Canada two years ago, Bob. Right. Uh, it's because that it just made more sense for everybody to be in one jurisdiction, um, albeit two separate jurisdictions within the country in Alberta and Ontario. But those are the issues that are jumping up. I mean, the National Football League has made not being vaccinated so punitive for the non-vaccinated player, you have to wonder how many are going to reconsider. Now, there's lots of players that still are unvaccinated, um, but they, you know, the, the the protocols that they have to go through, how they have to travel, where they, what they can do versus the fully vaccinated players, and if your game gets canceled, uh, who's going to pay the price? It's the, going to be the team that uh, has the COVID outbreak with the. Uh, with the most non-vaccinated players. And they're going to pay the price for it and not get paid and, and lose the game uh, automatically. So there are, the National Football League has set out its rules, and you have to think that that's a level of a blueprint for the other leagues to say, okay, we can do the same thing. Mind you, they can't dock players' pay in the NHL and the NBA and Major League Baseball because we have guaranteed contracts in those leagues, not in the NFL. In the NFL, it can cut your you-know-what, right? So, in fact... Any uh, day of the week. Any, any day of the week. So, Urban Meyer goes, you know, guy was a successful coach at Florida, though some would argue a little bit of a renegade program, uh, goes to Ohio State. Now he's in Jacksonville. He admitted the other day that he did factor in who was vaccinated in terms of some decisions for his 53-man roster and got significant blowback, which maybe isn't that much of a surprise given the state that he's in in Florida yeah. right now. But, no, it's like, John, like, you look, the Atlanta Falcons, I believe, have stated that they are completely vaxxed. And, and, and you look at the Ravens, they had massive, uh, you know, guys on and off the roster. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. And I don't think he's vaccinated. And, and you know, I wonder sometimes about, you know, it's it's sort of your leaders that drive it, right? Like the Elks were, uh, there, there may have been some other teams that had higher vaccination rates in the Canadian Football League than the Elks. And I, I wonder, you know, where is it at with certain, you know, certain leaders on the team in that regard? And, and, and people say, well, it's up to an individual choice. There's still leadership that happens with each of these clubs as well. Yeah, I mean, I noticed today Carson Wentz, who's now playing for, Indianapolis has stated that he does not want to be vaccinated as well. So uh, it's uh, it's it, it it's such a uh, a volatile time, Bob. Yeah. Because uh, you uh, you know if you believe in vaccination, there's going to be uh, a group of people that think you're you're preaching, and if you don't believe in vaccination, there's going to be uh, a, a group of the public and 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 the media that think you're crazy. Um, and it's not fair. It, it, it's not fair. Would I like to see mandatory vaccination? Sure, I would. I would. But that's that's my personal belief. I'm not going to impose it on everybody else uh, until we get to a point where we can all be convinced that it's the best for society. Yeah. John, great stuff. Uh, we'll have you on twice next week, and uh, we'll try to come up with some original concepts other than talking about vaccination and fighting because I think they're, well, ti- they're tied together. I'm, based on some of the video I've seen the last two weeks, you might be right. You know, you might be right, Bob. Have a terrific week. You know what I'm going to be doing Saturday. 
Clinton, what are you doing Saturday? I'm I'm gonna be joining. You're going, uh, to, Ro- you're going to Roach, Chris? I'm not. I went to. It was Tori's birthday, John, on uh, last week, so I we heard. went. We went. Su- we went Sunday night for her 18th birthday with some friends. But no, I'm gonna be uh, going to a downtown establishment to watch Bama and Miami at 1:30, oh. and then I'm gonna be uh, racing home and, and watching Georgia and Clemson. I think that game's at five or 5:30. So it's a big NCAA weekend. I got my fantasy football draft on Monday. It's a, a heritage draft. I've been in it for. 26 years now. Um, haven't been winning a lot lately. And, and you know why, John? You know what I do in that pool? Every play, uh, what do you do? What every, do, you do? Every, every player that I draft or trade for uh, in a skill position, so quarterback, uh, running back, receiver, and tight end, they're, they're Bama grads. They've come out of Bama. <laughs> so I've lost a few trades along the way, but I'm having fun with the pool. That's all that matters. Well, just, I tell you, I just don't draft Joe Namath again, okay? Yep. He would have been really good back in 1967. He would have been, well, even, no, my 60s, you know, those damn knees, you know, those damn knees. What, what was what was Mae West's line? Didn't she, uh, something about uh, bad knees and a, yeah, forget it. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not going there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Great. Unfortunately, I do. Yes, uh, because I think she <laughs> talked about the cerebral power of a guy like uh, Dick Cavett back in the day. Speaking of great talk show. I'll leave you with that. Maybe educate our younger listeners on, on how terrific the Dick Cavett oh. show was back in uh, back of the day. I tell you what, just uh, go to Google and uh, Google Dick Cavett Watergate. He actually had the, uh, the, the uh, intestinal fortitude. He did, he did his talk show in the Capitol in Washington uh, at night Uh, in the same room that the Watergate hearings were going on to talk about the Watergate hearings. It is electric. If you like American politics, American history, it's one of the the best things. To me, he's not the best talk show host of all time. I'm on a Craig Ferguson uh, binge right now uh, on YouTube, uh, Bob. Craig Ferguson's tough to beat. All right, awesome stuff, John. Much appreciated. Thanks for your time. Talk to you later. You bet. During the season, all season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown, they want you to stay safe and stay positive. We'll uh, quickly come back uh, in about a minute's time here on Oilers Now. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. Welcome back, everybody. 128 in Edmonton. There's an old saying in the car business. We talked about it earlier. Cars class less in Wetaskiwin. Brentridge Ford and Wetaskiwin committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough, payments or interest rates that are too high, or vehicle you may want to sell, refinance, or trade in for something different, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brentridge Ford or call them 1-877-477-3673 or visit Brentridge.com. There you have it and we've run the gamut on uh, today's show with lots of opinion uh anita says bob what about our local guy jim thompson he watched over gretzky in la uh and was personally requested by the great one himself great guy great teammate it's funny how many of the enforcers were super nice guys uh we used to see jim thompson on uh, michael Landsberg's show at a toronto fairmount he was an interesting fella uh certainly a, a capable guy i don't think he quite instilled the fear of god the way dave brown bob probert marty sorley guys like that did 
uh, Bakes has t- taken the time to text us as well. It says, Bob, Todd Ewan, Rody Postchuk, those guys were big-time tough. I, I would agree. Todd Ewan knocked Bob Probert out one time. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Our ongoing series on coaching continues with former Edmonton Oilers player, the head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears, Ian Herbers, when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.